0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Show. This is the Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. I'm your host, Pop Art Pinner Jimmy Rocks, and this is the big show. You found it. I sure am glad you did. What's well, a great start to the week, ladies and gentlemen? It's a great start to the week. The uh, the big hurricane, the approaching hurricane, has been downgraded to a tropical storm, and it's going to be on the other side of the coast. I hope all of my friends over in the Gulf side are, uh, you know, even if it's not a hurricane, it's still 65 mile an hour winds. So, you know, hold on, folks, hold on, and um, you know, be prepared and all that. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But the cool thing about this week is we are um, starting our week in film guests. We have all kinds of film guests this week, and uh, I'm very, very excited about that. And we're starting it off right. We have a uh, filmmaker. He uh, is just really, really cool. He wrote, directed, and um, I'm thinking produced as well. I don't know, but I know he did it. He wrote and directed it. Uh, this is a fantastic film. Watched it the other night. It's called Skinwalker. And without further ado, I would like to welcome our guest today, Mr. Robert Conway. Robert, how are you, Hi. man?
2: Very good, buddy. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. I am. I am... I liked this film. I'm just going to go off right at the beginning and say that. Well, oh, thank you. I was telling you before we started, I, I don't get a lot of Westerns, uh, or Western-themed movies, at least. And um, uh-huh. I was very, very pleased when this uh, came across my desk. So I, I was looking forward to it. Um, we watched it, and I just really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Oh, thank
2: you so much. Yeah, I, I think that the genre works really well. Uh, the Western genre, that is, with supernatural, with thriller, horror films. I mean, there's always a kind of mythic quality to the Wild West. And in a way, I think it adds credibility to the things that are, you know, a stretch in credibility, supernatural events, things like that. Uh, and the day before, any time before iPhones, modern telecommunications, all that kind of adds a little bit more realism to it. Um, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do it this way. So, uh, but it's also just, I I think what I hope, and in all my horror films, I've tried this to make the characters themselves, interesting people that you could have a movie about, regardless of the supernatural element, you know, uh, trying to break the old motif of uh, teenagers, spring breakers, college kids, whatever people that really are just, John and Jay. I just, I'm personally, I'm just not interested in that. You know, I find it more compelling to characters that are actually interesting that you could have a movie about. Like if it wasn't for the supernatural events, this I think could work, could have worked as a Western. And I try to do that with all of my horror films. I try to give them, I try to give the characters depth and make them interesting to the audience and not just the run of the mill uh, cliche, you know, kind of cliche fiasco.
1: Well, and, you know, the thing is, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, about something very similar to this conversation. Um, where I was saying, I like an element, um, when it's done well, of, of Supernatural in my movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it gives it a little magic, you know, a little spice in there. Yeah. And my friend, of course, was, oh, well, it just ruins anything. And I said, okay, I've got one movie. I'm just going to mention it. I think all of them actually have a minute it, because it's a franchise. But I'm just going to say... Raiders of the Lost Ark it was pretty cool exactly. when those Nazis' faces started melting, you know. And sure, um, he's like, "Yeah, you win. You're right. <laughs> that movie would have been right. terrible without it. we well, are not terrible. Yeah. but Yeah, no, have but stood I mean, out. yeah, the
2: supernatural is what made it interesting because there's so much in life we don't know, so much in the universe we don't understand. So there always leaves room for the supernatural. I think even an atheist or an agnostic can hopefully at least enjoy a good movie." with elements of ghosts or supernatural, I'm not spoiling it for them, whether they believe it or not, uh, you know, the idea is to, to entertain and uh, exactly. uh, hopefully
1: they can take something from it. Exactly. Yeah, I, and not everything, not everything, I mean, a movie can be fun and, and it doesn't all have to be based in, in you know, uh, we call those documentaries, you know, when they're based in fact, you know.
2: It's, yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. Horror, you know, you know it, horror it, it, can it. embrace fantasy quite a bit. You know, Uh oh, fantasy, There's a lot of horror in, uh, in in Lord of the Rings. There's a lot of horror in Game of Thrones. So you know, the the darker Sauron's a pretty scary guy. You know, uh, oh man, it's fine. It's good. Yeah, you. I, I, you know, some people get turned off by supernatural, and I get that. At some of the well, they don't find it credible, which is part of a problem. I mean, credibility is an issue. I think we deal with. It. Uh, but we deal with that in horror. We have to find creative ways around it, no matter what. I mean, the modern, like I was just describing, the modern telecom. Uh, you know, it, it's it's really hard to go anywhere in the 21st century and be really off the grid. So if the serial killer's chasing you, you know, you carry a, a portable GPS in your pocket, with access to law enforcement, and you know everything else. And so you got to find ways to. And the old adages of the phone doesn't work gets a little bit stale. You got to get a little more creative with it, but. Uh, you know, absolutely. It, it, it's part of the challenge. It's part of the challenge. We want to be credible with audiences. I mean, I, I did a, a, UFO, a couple of UFO alien films, you know, and there's a f- segment of the population that really believe in that. There's a segment that absolutely oh, yeah. doesn't, and then there's a lot of people who are just kind of, maybe, who knows, possibly someday, maybe now, you know. Um, but it's a film that should work on any level, whether you believe that aliens are abducting farmers or not. You know, it's like, right. I don't think you need to believe that to enjoy a film. At least I hope not.
1: Well, it's, and it's you know, I loved watching The Wolfman when I was a kid, uh, you know, Dracula, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah. You know, I got a little older. Got, got into the real, real hammer stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's all fun, you know, and there's, you know, that's what makes Halloween fun, you know, is, is exactly. you know, a little horror. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing yeah, wrong a little with bit of that?
2: fantasy. It's it's a dark fantasy, dark horror, kind of the uh, embracing what scares us, you know. And um, oh yeah, I think it's a bit of an, a little bit of an endorphin rush we get from it, you know. It's the, not dissimilar the from a roller coaster ride or bungee jumping or something like that. <laughs> you know, playing a little bit on our fears, and that's that's
1: what makes these movies fun. Exactly, and everyone.
2: Oh well, your characters are great.
1: Your characters are great. Lucky, I, I'll tell you, from the character to the dialogue to the costuming, I don't know who was on board for the costuming in your film, Yeah, man, buy him a cup of coffee. They earned that. No, it was fantastic. Her, yeah, Lori
2: Haberman is her name. Lori Haberman, she's amazing. She does all my costumes, and, and she's just... I, I, I literally cannot do this, these films without her. She did uh, at least the last three or four films. She's been my production designer, and I mean, she does it all. It looks really good, and God, she doesn't have a lot to work with, which is, makes her even a thousand times cooler than she already is. Because you know the budgets on these <laughs> things aren't aren't great, so okay. oh yeah, they're um, not. Nice. She's she's very resourceful, and I, I'm always surprised at what she can do on a shoestring. So yeah, well, Kudos the
1: film, her, like you sure. said, folks, the film we're talking about is Skinwalker. Now it drops; it comes out on uh, digital and DVD. Um, Uncork Entertainment's distrib- uh, distributing it. It comes out mm-hmm. July 13th, which is like a week away, man. It's, it's the big yeah, we right around Fast the corner. approaching. Right around. Oh corner, man,
2: it's so. it's a, it's a it's cool exciting. film. If you like westerns, I think yeah, I think if you like westerns, you'll enjoy it. If you like supernatural uh, horror, you'll enjoy it. Um, you know, if you like good characters and, and a cool story, and you know, the, that, that's what I always try to do. I always try to. Uh, put myself in the position of the audience and say hey, would I watch this movie? You know and it, no, you if didn't. I wouldn't, I don't make it. You know, and I, I try to I try to always go by that. So um no, I for know me you're it's always the about the
1: You're yeah. out of uh Arizona, right? I am, yes. So is that where most it, of this was filmed at? Because it got it definitely had a a deserty Arizona vibe to it, you know? Well, you know, yeah, almost all, I think actually, you know what, all
2: my films have been shot in Arizona. It, it's
1: uh, We mm. have the
2: desert, but then we have the high country too. We have the the, the pine forest and all that. So mm. uh, kind of an interesting little behind the scenes on this. This was done, we filmed this during the uh, the real lockdown when COVID really went crazy, you know. Really? And uh, nobody was working. Well, yeah, and nobody was working. And I was like, okay, well, you know, we were watching Tiger King and sitting in quarantine and it's like, this is kind of boring. So I just called friends and people that I'd worked with and, and Eva Hamilton, who I wanted to work with for a long time. And I was like, do you guys want to, like, come on top of a mountain and make a movie with me? Because if we all get up there and we're not sick, then we're, we're good. We can do this thing. So we go up to a mountain. Yeah, because you're not in COVID. Or whatever. Yeah, there was no COVID on top of this. We were very remote. I mean, we basically uh, – there's a scene at the end. I don't want to give anything away, but, you know, there's some extras and stuff. We shot all that stuff at the very end of the film. Uh, the Most of it is, is we shot in, in isolation. So it was a film made during nice. the quarantine with a very small crew and very small uh cast and we all lived together. I rented a big cabin for everybody and it was like wilderness camping and making a movie and <laughs> I uh I really love the hell I you know I I feel bad for everybody else who was really going through it. We had a nice month or so where we were just not dealing with the craziness down below in the real world, you know. So right. um I'm jealous. Yeah.
1: I am jealous. Yeah, I, I'll tell you you're
2: right if, if you is another out- if you live in another outbreak. Another outbreak. You know what to do. It was, all, yeah. This was <laughs> during the first couple, of, maybe the first or second month of it, and it was, it was just so bad. I remember just being in my house and not having anything to do, and I'm not very good mentally with that, you know. And I, I think a lot of right. I, I just reached out to my friends and uh, actors and filmmakers, and I was like, you "Guys, want to do something? Just better than." just binge watching Netflix for another 48 hours, 72 hours, you know, and uh, <laughs> exactly. that's how it came about. And I use COVID as kind of a theme for the movie too, uh, the invisible enemy. Uh, you, don't know has, you don't know who has it, you don't know who doesn't. Yeah, and uh, so it's interesting, you know, definitely a product of the time. And not that I want people to think about COVID when they're watching the film, I certainly don't want to be that much of a downer, but that was just a little bit of the backstory of how it came about. It was like, you know. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of
1: interesting. An, I imagine the uh, the actors that uh, were in the film. It maybe it's easier for them to get more into their character. I'm sure they have no problem doing that. These are professional actors. That's what they do. But maybe it just helps. It makes that transition a little easier. That that slide a little uh, I, quicker. Um, being isolated. I think so. Like that. Well, I
2: think so, and it certainly helps with the period stuff. You know, we ran out of room in the cabin, and I volunteer to just live in a tent, which I was happy to, I loved it. It was great. I could live in a tent. I can do that.
1: Um, <laughs> like
2: You're feeling like you're in that time period a bit when you're showering a couple times a week. Right. Cause water was not like, we had water, but it wasn't in abundance. We had to be very careful with how much we showered and uh, you know, everything was kind of rustic. It was a beautiful cabin, but it's still like, you know, it's on a, it's, it's got a small water, System and you know um, the electricity is not anything like we'd be used to here in the city. So um, right, I, but I think it did help the performance. I think it did. I mean, again, you just try to use it if you can. You know, one of my great favorite films uh, is Excalibur. Uh, John Lawrence mm. Excalibur and the uh, what's her name Helen Mirren hated the actor who played Merlin. Maybe they had dated. I, I think they may have dated. Whatever <laughs> they hated each other. They <laughs> had done some play at least. I know that. And they hated each other and they wanted to quit and they threatened the director. like, so, you know, I'm going to quit if you don't fire so and so. They both said, he goes, no, you guys are playing nemesis in the film. Use it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh yeah, you're right. And cause you know, Morgan Le Fay and Merlin are arch enemies. Right. And so to me, when I watch that film again, and I love the and legend stuff, you know, mythological uh, kind of historical fantasy. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's, so much more fun to know that they really hated each other. I just love I think that's just cooler, you know, like, I was like, Oh, that's so cool. You know, it just adds that extra little spice to the, to the performance. And, um, you know, so again, use it, use what you have, even if it's unpleasant stuff, even if it's, and, you absolutely. know, isolation or, or it's exhaustion or whatever it is, draw from it, you know, use it
1: in the scene. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, it's, Whatever whatever gets you across that finish line, you know, um, and you have to uh, take that. I mean, I can imagine how cool would it be to go to work um, with a group of people and you walk in the room and, and no one's on their cell phones, you know, no yeah. one. Well, so that is it. On the mountain, when you're talking to no somebody, you phone. have their attention. Yeah, yeah, there was
2: no cell phones. That's... There was no social media. There was no uh... – no, anything. And I'll tell you, I mean, it was beautiful country. It was just like, just things that we, we, uh, you know, how much we like, uh, how distracted we all are, you know, uh, mm-hmm. getting away, getting that peace. I found it very peaceful, like just uh, I, I mean, I know everybody from the city says, oh, I could live there. And, I mean, look, I was there for a month. Maybe after a month I'd start going crazy. But I <laughs> was sad to leave it. You know, I really was because I've lived in New oh, York yeah. City. I've lived in Los Angeles. I've lived in a whole bunch of cities. And I love the cities. You know, they're great. Uh, but very rarely have I had the chance to get away. And it is nice. It's the it's, uh, nature, <laughs> you know, and uh, oh, a, yeah. a, a bit of serenity. Absolutely. Is,
1: yeah, it's so hard to. Good for the soul. Very good for the soul. Oh, yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say this. I've been on this kick lately where I've been watching uh, when I take my lunch or something, I, I don't want to watch something that's real long. But I don't want to take too You know, it's, it's hard to take a two-hour break to watch something in the middle of the day. Um, uh, the it's in the evenings when I usually watch movies and stuff, longer type stuff. Mm-hmm. But I've been on this kick where I've been watching these, uh, these reaction videos of these kids. It's kind of interesting. They've all Set up a, a little business on YouTube where they they watch a movie, and they react to it. And uh, <laughs> I don't know how the copyright and all that you know that's above my pay grade yeah. on that how they're dealing with. But anyway, they're, I'm watching these, and the big one that they've all and they kind of go in these little patterns like they all watch each other's I think, and uh, and then people can join their Patreon and, and everything and, and vote for what they yeah, should fine. want. But anyway, the big thing they've been watching is the uh, the Lord of the Rings series. You know, you're just talking about mythology. Yeah, great. And uh, yeah great, great. It's interesting because it doesn't matter if they're white kids, if they're inner city, you know, African-American kids. I, I, I even watched one that was the, the people were Chinese in China, you know. Sure. And um, Universal. They're all watching. Yeah, you know, Yeah, they're watching Lord of the Rings and they're all just – that first uh, movie, the Fellowship one, um, they're showing the Shire, and every one of them, every one, doesn't matter social, economic, racial, them, nothing matters. They all want to live in the Shire. They all want to, oh, know. you know, leave they're where they're, they're at. Yeah. To, they're like, oh, I would totally. Then until they see Rivendell, and then they all want to live there. But um, right, right. But, uh, what, what that tells me, and what, to, circling back to what you're saying, is is you created this film um, with just, you know, fantastic scenes and and this and that. And I get, man, people, yeah, I think people just get maybe bored with the same thing all the time, you know, their life, where they're at and everything. Um, You know, it's, it's nice. uh, uh, And especially after a year of being cooped up, (laughs) everybody's like, I want to be uh, on that mountain, man. Oh, I'll but tell then you, they you know, If there's ever
2: another outbreak, I recommend it. Uh, God willing, there won't be. But I'm just you know, it's. Uh, it, it was so bad. I mean, just uh, everything. This is in the early stages, you know, when we didn't really know much about COVID. We didn't know how you caught it. Right. We we knew it was airborne, but we didn't. You know, there was like, oh, you can get it from a coffee table. You can get it from a doorknob. You can get it from you know a lot of things that later were proven to be less less accurate, but mm-hmm. that's, that's usually the way things are. In the beginning of a crisis, there's a lot of uh, different theories and information flying uh, wild. I remember the same, similar thing on nine eleven. you know, another,
1: another mm-hmm. great day,
2: geez, another tragedy. But, you know, it was like, there was a lot of things as, as horrible as that day was, and it was awful. There was a lot of misinformation that came out that first couple of days, you know? So the, oh, yeah. that's just natural. I mean, people are, people are really upset and, and um, then when they start left, panicking. To go up on, yeah, well, there was a little bit of panic. You know, I remember the toilet paper buying. That was strange. I remember seeing a funny meme at very the time. Strange. Somebody was from the movie Outbreak, with the uh, Dustin Hoffman's movie Outbreak. And <laughs> with that level four biohazard suit. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they all dead, but their asses are all clean. So it's like, yeah, whatever. You know? But it was very strange. I mean, <laughs> exactly. yeah, but I, it was just, it was an interesting, uh, I've done. there's been a lot of COVID themed films uh, I, I know uh, mm. friends who've worked on them. I don't know whether, none of my friends who produced them, but I know friends, crew friends who've worked on them. And um, my COVID-themed film is a little bit less on the nose, which I think is good. I, I think you know you bring up Lord Absolutely. of the Rings is a great example of many of many historians and, and movie uh, movie buffs have said that Tolkien's talking about the rise of the Third Reich and all that. And maybe he he disputes that, or I don't know if he ever disputed it or just didn't answer it, but. You know, right. It was interesting if he is talking about like the evils uh, that happened, you know, that led to the Second World War. Um, it's interesting that he put it in a fantasy world, uh, in a way that can maybe make it a little bit more palatable to people that are going through it. So it can still give them that distraction. Right. You know, it can still give them the escapism. The movies have to be, and there's nothing wrong with escapism. You know, uh, some people dog on the Marvel films and all that. I'm not personally a big fan of them, but. Um, I I was just never really that's different, but, but, but the thing is, it's escapism and that's very important. You know, there's real mental health benefits to it. So I never knock it, you know, if if if, it, if it, I think they're well-crafted made by really talented filmmakers and, you know, they provide people with morality and escapism. And uh, that yeah. is, cinema. you know, as much as I love Martin Scorsese, I have to disagree with him. That is cinema, you know, that, mm-hmm. that is definitely cinema. So, not everything has to be. Well, there's a lot of people
1: buying saying. tickets for
2: them, you know? Yeah, well,
1: uh... because they're getting, a, they're getting a suit,
2: you know, and they're good stories. I think, I, again, I'm acting like I've seen, I've seen Batman. I like the Batman character. <laughs> a little more interesting <laughs> to me. Um, because yeah. Chris Reeve yeah. Superman. Yeah, and he's an interesting Oh, yeah, he's my he's favorite. Flawed. I mean, yeah, I love the Chris Reeves Superman, but the thing is, he's so darn strong. He's still in great movies to watch, him, but it's like, <laughs> the thing about Batman is he's pretty much just a guy, and I like that, you know? Like, he's got a lot of oh, matches, yeah, but he's a guy. You could kill him. You could kill Bruce Wayne. I mean, if you shot him or whatever, you know, if he wasn't wearing his <laughs> back, he's as frail as any of us, and I love that, you know? To me, that's like, mm-hmm. going back to one of my favorite action films, Die Hard, you know, where you have, you know, the, the oh, yeah. terrorists are taking over Nakatomi Amen. Plaza, and... Yeah, and right. any anyway, man this cop who was a drunk and he smoked and he wasn't in the greatest shape. Bruce Willis, you know, he wasn't a karate expert, you know, he wasn't like a, right. like a ops guy a ninja trainer. or something. He, yeah, no, he was just a regular Joe who knew how to use a gun, but it was like and that's what I love. I love the you know, the hero has to be the underdog, you know, he has to be the it's always mm-hmm. the underlife. You know? kind of, uh if the hero's too strong then then we kinda of lose the uh you know, it becomes like Saturday morning cartoons. You know, I used to watch He-Man. Skeletor, you'd think the guy would get it after like 900 times of trying to beat He-Man. Like, dude, you're just punching above <laughs> your pay grade. Man. You're not going to beat him. He's stronger. Right. He's smarter. He's got better <laughs> allies. Like, forget Day about <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, I admire the man's persistence. You have to. That much defeat. Like, doesn't seem to. It never seems to, like, fail him. He's like, next week, he's like, what? I know I failed all these years, but I'm going to keep trying. And, you know, it's like Charlie Brown with a football.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wiley Coyote. Yeah. You know? Oh, man. Exactly. You know, it, exactly
2: it, just like this time. Yeah.
1: And now, folks, a couple of quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages.
0: Please visit us online at www.loveshackapothecary.com, that's com. as well as online on Instagram and Facebook, links are in our website. there's no need to walk this path alone. Join us for a relaxing, informative, and inspiring time and start your journey out of anxiety panic. That's anxietycoachespodcast.com. Aloha. Hey there. My name is Paige Beatty, and I am the founder of Hats On and Hats Off. Which are two separate companies but aligned by the same philosophy of raising cancer awareness and forming smiles. Hats On is a for profit corporation that sells cancer specific hats to be proudly worn by you in hopes of raising awareness. A percentage of the proceeds will be donated to Hats Off, which is a non profit corporation raising money to buy wigs for cancer patients who can't afford them. That's where we're forming smiles. I believe cancer has touched almost everyone's lives in one way or another, a friend, a family member, a friend of a friend. So please visit our website www.hatsonhatsoff.com to learn how you can help raise awareness and form smiles. Rocks Gear, the online web shop of high-end luxury merchandise and products, all featuring original pop art paintings. From La Holler to Miami to London. us. This time this,
1: it has to work. This time I'm due. I'm due. I yeah, I lived know. in Vegas for a summer many many years ago, and uh, yeah, I, ooh, I heard that statement a lot. It's got to pay out soon. I know. I'm like, oh, that's no, the saddest don't, thing.
2: Don't, <laughs> I went to Las Vegas. Don't I was go on a friend's. There a friend of mine who had a shoot there, and I was helping out for a few days. It is. It's. It's a cool place to go for a minute, but if you get, if you get mm. the fact that the fix is in, you know, and you're like, yeah. it's a, it's a fix, and they, you know, if you win anything, you're bucking the odds. Like, I won, I think a hundred bucks, and I'm like, okay, the odds of me winning more than this because I don't play big. I was playing like ten dollars or twenty dollars. And I'm like, you know, I already bucked the odds. So I remember I got up like 400 bucks, and I'm like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here because I'm going to lose it.
1: By the time (laughs) I left, I I had
2: lost half of it. I lost like 200 bucks. It was like, yeah, because you know you can't. You just, you're not designed to win. It's like,
1: right. anyway, I mean, you know. Oh, it's very true. It's very true. Well, one of the things I want to tell people, though, if they do escape, if there is another outbreak or whatnot, knock on wood that there isn't, But if they do escape and um, go up to the mountain there um, and you come across a burial site, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Don't take anything. (laughs) See, nothing Uh, good can ever come from
2: desecrating a burial site. It's the the one tried and true. This is Native American culture, but it's true in any culture. You know, you go back right. to, like, the turn of the living dead, you know. When they start messing with the graves and opening up the tombs, you know it's bad stuff. It's the mummy,
1: you know, right. what happens. Don't do well, it, man. Just don't exactly. mess with the dead. Leave the dead alone. I remember the big, uh, the, when I was a kid, the big twist were in Poltergeist, you know, where they, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry if it's a spoiler, ladies and gentlemen, if it's been 50 years, if you haven't seen the movie or however long, well, I don't know what to tell you. They moved the heads down. <laughs> they didn't move yeah. the bus. That was the
2: problem.
1: Right. So, yeah. 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 No, it's yeah, very don't interesting
2: want to us. I mean, we. It's a. It's a, it's a, it's a trope that always not a trope. It's a theme that always works. You know, we're, we're afraid of the unknown. Oh, yeah. We're afraid of the. Of what happens after life? If something happens, if nothing, whatever it is, we're we're very. Uh, you know, and it's uh, it's great for fiction, well, right? If, if kind of American it's great.
1: They looked great in the film. Yeah. I loved the uh, the war paint and whatnot it was just, you know, very cool, um, very just elevated. The yeah, vibe they were great guys.
2: They 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 really she elevated everybody. Awesome. Victoria Sandoval was our makeup artist. Did a wonderful job. But Eddie, uh, Jeff, and Victoria were the three native guys. And um, Victoria really was our linguist. He taught mm. not just. Uh, because Jeff spoke a little bit of Apache, but Victoria's from the White Mountains. He speaks fluent Apache. And I love that I have Apache. That's a hard the language. One of the real... Yeah, well, he taught Dan Link, and he said Dan was an amazing student. Dan plays Willard. Uh, there's a lot of dialogue that Willard has with an Apache. Willard plays the translator. You know, he needed a guy who could speak English and Apache to kind of bridge the two
1: yeah.
2: universes when the characters interact. But... Um, now, those guys are excellent, and they, they added so much authenticity, and I insisted on doing it in Apache because I think it added so much. It reminded oh, me yeah. a little bit of, like, you know, Apocalypto, Mel Gibson's Apocalypto. Like, you know, you're using mm. that kind of um, that different uh, languages that are less known. Like, we, certainly Spanish is used a lot and, you know, French or whatever, but this is, like, a really cool language, and it, it's really uh, – it's so interesting, I, it, to me anyway, to put it into a film. And, and, and Victoria was so good teaching the, teaching the cast. Uh,
1: and I, I just love that stuff. I think it's super cool. Look, it's very cool. And it, it just it works so well with the film. I want everybody to see this film. Like you said, it comes out in about a week, July 13th. Yep. And it's good one I'm telling I'm proud you. I watched it. it with my wife. You can watch it with your wife or your girlfriend or whoever, your partner. And, um, yeah, there was, it was some creepo scenes in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know, worked yeah. out my face. So, a little so, action you know, going there.
2: There you um, go. There you go, right? I'm glad I could help. Yeah. I, the thing, I, you know, I always try to make the films, I'm a big pacing guy, you know, I always try to make the films
1: mm-hmm.
2: interesting and in that things keep happening and that they don't slow down. You know, I encourage people to, you know, not only support independent film because I think it's an important art form, but. Also, like, you know, we really do strive to keep you interested. And we don't say, oh, because we're independent, we're going to use that as a, as a get-out-of-jail-free right. card. And, you know, we we try to make you like our film or make the film that, we, that, you know, that you'd want to watch regardless of what budget, you know, it's on. And I do that by involving really good actors and great crew. And, you know, I, I'm very proud of what, you know what? What everybody who helped me, you know, all, what they all brought to it and what they did. So, uh, I think the effort, their effort and their hard work, really paid off, and I'm I'm very grateful. And I think audiences will enjoy it. It's a fun little film. Uh, it's a scary one, oh, absolutely.
1: But um, yeah, you know, it's got some interesting it's very little. Cool. Uh, yeah. No, I'm not in the movie business, but I do watch a lot of film. I'm I'm a big cinephile. I guess is the word. Hmm, um, this sure. did not look like this was shot on a low budget. I don't know if oh, you, you, you just had a, you know, a warehouse of high end equipment or, uh, or what, but it, it well, looked, I, I, yeah. it looked like some money. I do own a lot, yeah.
2: I, mean, I I mean, own quite a lot of gear, you know, but, uh, it,
1: it, that helps.
2: But I mean, the biggest thing is honestly, it's just, you know, um, involving the right people, I guess, you know, like I think a lot right. of it is the, uh, it comes down to the first thing is your art direction, you know? most of this movie I shot by myself and this is my first film without a cinematographer where I was the cinematographer because just the way it was made, wow. it was kind of crazy. It was kind of last minute. There was no, uh, no real budget in the sense of a budget. Like there was some money obviously, but you know, it, it, it's not like it was kind of a, Hey, let's just do this thing. Let's make this movie. So um, cool. very kind of organic the way it came about. Yeah. And I, I think it's, you know, you just try to do the best. Like uh, Guthrie Lowe did the music. You know, there's so much that uh, different artists who put their work into it. Again, Lori Haberman with the production design, of course, the cast with their great performances. Um, you know, people come together and they take it seriously and they and they believe in what they're doing. I think it's amazing what you can get. And you know, technology today, like I have a Red camera. I I, I don't really use it much because, uh, you know, it's more of a full crew camera, which. Uh, lately, I've been shooting smaller projects where I just use a little Lumix GH5S, which is, you know, a relatively inexpensive camera. And I, I encourage people to to go out and tell your story. You know, there's never been a time where you can get really good quality cameras, uh, lights, aperture, man light, great great stuff, uh, for relatively inexpensive price. You know, you don't need to have a multi million dollar uh, production studio. You know, this is stuff you can no. acquire. Uh, you know, decent cameras, Sony A7S3s are good, but again, you know, Panasonic, Canon, everybody's got a, most of these cameras are fine, I mean, heck, if you don't have that, your iPhone, you get some pretty nifty stuff on right. an iPhone today, <laughs> you know, so, so, I encourage people to go out and start experimenting, you know, and telling their story, um, so
1: oh, much absolutely. great gear. Yeah, and, I you know, it, you get these little, yeah, I was going to say, we, the, the age we're living in, especially now, one of the silver linings, I think, um, of COVID. And I'm not making light of the tragic side of it. No, but I understand. Um, right. But it, everybody knows how to stream now. And all these streaming platforms are crying for content. You know, they're like, they, they need it, you know. And, and you don't necessarily have to get on, you know, uh, the big ones. You. Use the film, film, and put it on YouTube, and people watch. I watch
2: a lot of stuff on YouTube. Yeah, you know? oh, I watch um, a lot of YouTube. I mean, I, I'll tell you that very like coming from an older generation. Where I mean, I I'm old enough to where I was actually I didn't shoot on film professionally, but I when I was in film school, that's not true. I worked on one film that was shot on film. But when I was in film school, we <laughs> still taught film. I mean, I'm dating myself a little bit, but like you know, I watch a lot of the younger people who are doing amazing stuff with. Uh, Gimbals and drones and slider dollies and I'm like, wow, man! We used to do this. Took us five guys and all day, you know. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) it's really neat to to learn, you know, to learn. I'm learning from the (laughs) younger generation of filmmakers, and I'm I'm very impressed with what I see uh, of young people who are so resourceful. You know, they're like, I don't have anything but a camera and a a roommate, and you know, and they make stuff that's actually watchable. Good. It's not like you know uh, watching paint dry. So, um, right. It's a great time. It's a great time to be. And yeah, I encourage people get their get their work out there. Um, don't listen to uh, what's in, in, inherent in the society. The negative side of it is a lot of criticism. Right. And uh, it's
1: good to be well, open to do do yeah, criticism. Fair. Yeah. If, if somebody does tell you it can't be done, you know, we were talking about rocket fuel and using uh, using it. Use that. That's one of my favorite things. Right. Uh, when uh, somebody, I'm just pig-headed enough. When somebody says, "Oh, can't do that," <laughs> okay, <Right>. thank you. <laughs> yeah, Watch, and it's, stand you back. Know, uh, I'm going to do it. <laughs> you keep know. Creating,
2: keep creating, and if you get bad reviews, keep creating, and if you get good reviews, keep creating, and don't take either of the uh, either of that too seriously. Don't think the good reviews make you great, and the bad reviews don't make you suck. I mean, it's. Uh, <laughs> try to take all that with a of right. salt, and uh, just develop your own craft, develop yourself. So, I mean, look, I've been you're doing terrible. this for 20 years, so I can finally say that with some satisfaction that like, it took me a long time to get there. When I put my first movie out and I was like, I got some, some pretty nasty reviews and I was like, you know, crestfallen about it. After 20 mm-hmm. years of getting beat up by critics, I'm like, look, you're at this point, there's nothing left that I haven't heard. So, and I've gotten good reviews too, but I'm, I'm sometimes sometimes you get a good review and you're like, you're even more, oh, I don't know. Did they really mean that? You know, did the distributors oh, slip them a few bucks? And You know, so you just got to put right. all that shit aside. Just, excuse me, all that stuff
1: aside. Just make movies,
2: uh, develop yourself, right. develop yeah, what the team around you.
1: Right, exactly. I love, in the trailer for, uh, and it came out, I don't know, 20 years ago or something, uh, the, uh, the Tim Burton, Ed Wood movie where – He's no, made I the movie, movie so and he's so given it to the studio, and they're like, if you look, you know, on the phone, he's like, oh, worst movie you ever saw? Well, my next one will be better. <laughs> and that's Ed, what I love about Ed. You
2: know, you know, you, Ed is one of the, he's, Ed, Ed, Ed Wood should be. Be the patron
1: saint. <laughs> yeah,
2: Ed, exactly. Ed Wood should be the patron saint of independent film. I mean, like him, Robert Rodriguez, uh, uh, Dol- oh, yeah. Rudy Ray Moore, Dolomite, another great. Robert had a lot of success Rodriguez, but I'm, put, I'm putting him in that category because he started out just doing his own thing. Rudy Ray and, and Ed never had that success and I don't think they had Robert's talent either, but just saying that, yeah, Ed was great because he just, he just water off a duck's back. You know, it's like, Oh, we're showing mm-hmm. be better. Doesn't care. <laughs> willing to get back in the ring and take another swing. And that's, that's filmmaking, you know? Uh, and Ed's movies oh. still like, I remember Tim Burton saying this, his movies in a weird way stood the test of time. Like, no, he conventionally wasn't what you'd say a good writer or whatever. But his films have a certain right. uh, look to them. They have a certain feel. Uh, there's a charm about his movies that they, they've endured. Absolutely. And, I, I think, uh, and I, Eddie Murphy, I was so happy when you've seen the, the film, My Name is Dolomite. I was so happy when Eddie mm, Murphy Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I, th- I love Rudy Ray more. I thought he was really
0: mm-hmm.
2: a funny guy who was different from, like, a lot of the, of, of the films that came out in the exploitation era where, there were these good looking guys like, like Shaft or like a Superfly And Rudy <laughs> Ray was a pretty average looking dude. You know, he was an average guy, right. he didn't really know, karate, but he just like, he's like, you know what? I'm going to do it, man. I want to do movies and I'm going to do them. And, and I, I love it. It's hysterical to me. Yeah. And you know, he took them, he had fun making them and you can tell that. And uh, right. if you guys, if you ever want to see some fun movies, watch Dolomite, the human tornado, uh, yeah, oh yeah, Shaolin Dolomite's a fun fantastic. one. So they're they're great. They're great movies. They're they're, they're fun and uh, they're fantastic and, watch, and very entertaining. Just yeah, like yourself. so, and watch Eddie Murphy doing the. You know, it's like you got to watch, like you know, when they have movies like Ed Wood, you should watch Ed Wood's actual movies. It really goes. And if you watch right. uh, Eddie Murphy playing My Name Is Dolomite, you should watch the movies that it's based on. You have a whole new appreciation for, um, for both. So yeah, it's, it's fun stuff.
1: And I'll tell you something that people get caught up on is um, and it's a, again part of the world we live in now, but some of these these older movies that you watch don't get all remember when they were made man you you, uh, yeah, you, you got it, was hilarious you, got you can't apply I was watching the that gay last
2: night
1: with a friend that came on, yeah, it
2: came on <laughs> television. I was over my friend's house it came on i f c actually and yeah, you could never do that today, but that is part of the problem is I think you know again getting to a society where like some of my favorite comedians are like Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock. And I, oh, I know yeah. Chappelle's kind of been like, you know, he's kind of unforgiving about it, but we're losing, I mean, we don't have Dangerfield anymore. We don't have uh, Sam Kennan, mm. haven't had it for years, you know, but like we don't have George Carlin anymore. I, I, I think it's unfortunate right. because those cynical voices that, that really were like, look, I'm not going to let you pigeonhole me into feeling guilty about it. I, I, I think mm. humor is something that should be a little bit dangerous. I think that's what makes it funny you know south park is an oh, example of laughing at what you shouldn't laugh at you know uh safe spaces in comedy it's like you know there's always that roast mentality in good comedy and and uh, th- that good honest comedy that pokes fun at everybody equally uh uh cannot exist in a canceled culture
1: type environment it just can't no and no you know no. i think people i mean then, yeah, I there's limits too you know i mean the thing is nobody, course, nobody wants to see you know, special needs kids getting dogged on or something. You no, know what and I think mean? like if um, you have had something that's stereotypes yeah, but if it's know, like no, I mean... and I
2: agree with you, but I, I think if you have like bonafide hate speech or bona fide misogyny or something right. like that, yeah, that's different. But I think if you look at certain films or certain filmmakers and you look at the you know, you say, Look, these are great comedic works. And yes, they're controversial mm-hmm. because often great comedy will be controversial pretty is. You know, yeah. George Carlin was Absolutely. not loved by everybody. You know, I mean, uh, the guys no. that everybody loves are like America's Funniest Home Videos or something. Like that's not funny to me. There's no edge to it. There's no, there's no grit. Right. You know, I mean, safe comedy is like that. It's like America's Funniest. Like, oh, that's not funny. That's boring. That's lame. <laughs> exactly. Nobody would agree more, I think, than Bob Saget, who actually has a pretty dark sense of humor, from what I. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know he's, bad. Like, I mean, oh. yeah, he's a pretty underrated guy like his, his comedy
1: is uh, like
2: yeah it's out there <laughs> um.
1: and now folks a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors stay tuned we'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages listen to this cool episode ad free if you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www.ja.m.i.e.r.o.x.x.us.
2: This is a message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Older adults and people of any age who have serious underlying medical conditions are at higher risk for severe illness from COVID-19.
1: L B I O N dot com, Michelle dot com. Very, very cool stuff. Check it out, folks.
2: And I mean, it, it, the poor guy, oh, was
1: on, like, all these schmaltzy shows. And, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but he was, you know, he was. I can't, you know, fault the guy. He wanted swimming pool, you know. He wanted another car. You know? I mean, hey, I don't blame we're him. We're all, all I, just,
2: I, I know that he was. Yeah. Uh, he was frustrated. He's made it no secret of the fact that he was creatively frustrated. But you know, he cashed in. He made his money, and now he can do his stand up and do what he wants. Absolutely, and he absolutely. NC17. One
1: you know, one of his best yeah. lines, funniest lines, a uh, bit of his is when he 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 had said. I read it somewhere. And I'm paraphrasing it, so hopefully I won't mess it up. But he said, you know, one of these days I'm going to meet a nice woman my age, and I'm going to marry her daughter. (laughs) That's hilarious.
2: It is. It's funny. It's like, remember when Dennis Leary did the A-hole song? Oh, yeah. It was funny because he was an A-hole. That's what's funny. That's what makes it funny. He does all the things that you shouldn't do. He's not politically correct. Political correctness well, is like, to me, it's like the, yeah, it's like the scarlet letter, you know? It's like back in the day in the, uh, the Puritan times when if you were an adulteress, they would brand you. And I feel like that oh, that's yeah. what's happened
1: to some of our great co- comedians today, you know? I mean, it's just like, come on, let's laugh. It's okay well, the to interesting laugh. thing about comedy is I think it runs real parallel to your world of horror as well. They're both very yeah. timing dependent, and, um, and, and you want to – And people like that release, you know? Um, Yeah. And, yes, I'm sure serial killers out there watch a a horror movie to get ideas. Maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) Probably. I don't know. But, you know, the thing is, the rest of us, we watch those and we're like, what would I do? You know, there's that great commercial that I love, too, because some of the horror movies are just silly in a way, you know. I forget what it was for. I don't know, insurance or something, car insurance. Where the kids, there's a bunch of teenagers, and they're the killers. They're like, "Let's get in the running car," and they're like, "No, let's go hide in that barn with the chainsaws. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Even the killer yeah. was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs>
2: um, I think that's pretty part pretty of like, the level of comedy. Well, there's a level of comedy in in some horror films, and I think that's like I remember mm-hmm. I did a couple of these movies with the Krampus theme, and we did the first one. Mm-hmm. And I tried to make it all kind of Twilight Zone and stuff, and then. I got really torn apart, not just by critics, but by fans. And I was like, okay, here's what we're going to do for the second one, because it actually made good money, despite the, the critical reception being pretty negative. I, uh, I said, let's just hell with it. Let's just date, make a schlocky horror movie that's everything by the numbers, right. but that's really kind of funny. And, like,
0: right. it worked.
2: Fans really <laughs> dug it. Critics liked it. It was like, and it was just, it was kind of funny. Like, it's stuff we shouldn't laugh at, but like when Krampus bats grandma's head off, it's kind of funny. Of course, it's terrible. No, absolutely. Funny, horrible, little grandma. But, you know, it's like it, it reminded me of, you know, I'm a big Monty Python fan. It reminded me of Monty Python, who was so horrible mm-hmm.
1: violent for the joke.
2: You know, like the Black Knight, right. you know? It's like, it's just getting and I
0: think, yeah. yeah,
2: by making it in the lighthearted way that we made it, not taking it seriously. Audiences liked it, fans liked it, we hit on something. And I think it was interesting if you contrast those two films. The first one, which was trying to be all mystery, people didn't relate. Uh the second one was more just, yeah, let's, let's laugh at ourselves and, well, and make it a, a
1: dumb monster movie. Yeah. You know, you can you can lead people along with a with a laugh maybe a little easier than, you know, with a free I don't know though, because I like I like um, I like a, a good horror movie once in a while. I I tell you, I like those where they just mess with your head. You know, like the Jacob Ladders and, and Silence the hmm. Lambs and stuff like that. I love oh, that. Kind that. Of stuff. Silence is one of my favorite
2: um, movies. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh man! Well, they, I, I still know, what, what a villain. Yeah, such a great villain. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, and I think Buffalo Bill is ten times scarier than Anthony Hopkins. I mean, Buffalo Bill yeah, really like uh, he he just captured that just. It's the boy next door, and when Jody Foster opens the door, and he's not—he's dressed like he normally does. He looks so normal, mm. and that's the freaky thing he's really, like, you always expect a monster to look like a monster, you know—this big lurking hulk yeah. of a man. When no, he's kind of just you know regular guy, like Jeffrey Dahmer didn't look weird,
0: you know? and um, oh, that's all, of, yeah, all of terrifying. them
2: yeah, all of yeah. yeah, and oh, yeah, Dennis Raider, any of these know, guys? Yeah, the son of Sam, any of them? I mean, they could all be the guy. They could all be your neighbor. They could all be your, you know. That's what makes the the, the serial killer stuff like, you know. Again, I think Silence is one of the best, uh, one of my favorite movies, little horror films. Um, that real touching on that real uh, primordial fear of oh my gosh, and when she's in that house with the guy and he's got the. Anyway, I hope I'm not spoiling the movie. the night vision, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm like, oh, look out, look
0: out! You know? <laughs> <he sings Five laughs>
1: Absolutely. Such a great movie. Such a good movie. Absolutely. Yeah, I love movie. And I'll tell you, the interesting thing about that, if you watch the uh, the one they made after it, um, yeah, I don't think it did as well. I, I don't think it no, did as well. No, it's hard to follow Silence because, of the Land. I mean, that's a yeah, hard it, act. Yeah, it, it didn't have the Buffalo Bill character. No, it did have the monster guy who was with the face and all that, but he wasn't, yeah, it's he was a monster. It's just not going to work. I mean,
2: yeah, I mean, you had an interesting, like Ridley Scott is an excellent filmmaker and cinematographer, great cast. Julianne Moore did a great job, but it's just, I, I you can't, it's hard to follow Silence of the Lambs. I would hate to try to follow Silence with the Lambs. Right. You know, that's just like, <laughs> absolutely. I think Jody was like, no, I mean, I don't know why I think her reason might've been she just thought it was too gross or something, but I, she was right to kind of bow out because it's, that's a hard act to follow. Mm. Very rarely do you have Godfather 2 or Empire Strikes Back. I mean, most of the time it's, even if it's a good movie, and I'm sure if Hannibal had come out and just been a movie, it would have been probably received better. You know, and that's just, but how do you follow one of the greatest horror thrillers of all time
1: with an okay horror movie? That's that right, something. and then they. And it's not a bad. Cause and then they make it's the, not st- a bad film. But. I think they made the mistake that some movies, and I'll tell you those those Ocean's Eleven fell into the same quicksand. Is the American audience? It's hard to sell that European vibe to it. You know what I mean? And and yeah. they kind of had that going, and people just don't dig it. You know, they're like, eh, I'm not flying well, to I Italy. Mean, you know, that's,
2: yeah. It's not, I mean, it's I don't I, Hard I to relate. System. I love the shots of Florence though. I've never been to Italy, but I'd love to oh, go. yeah. Uh, but Fantastic. it's yeah. It's, but you want no, to go to Italy. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yep. Yeah, that's, right. that's it. <laughs> but it's interesting. I yeah, I think it's I don't know. It's a hard thing like like it was the the Baltimore insane asylum was far more terrifying. And Americans can relate to that. Some <laughs> some uh, some yeah, weird yeah. inner city like hospital, some crazy doctor, <laughs> Dr. Shelton. What a they had great characters. Where we play the religious programming? to torment Hannibal. I mean, like, some of the little roles in that movie are so memorable. That's when you know you have a great script. Because, like, the little, like, the Dr. Chelton, he's not in the film probably five minutes altogether. A great actor who plays him. I can't think of his name right now, but, um, you know, this creepy guy. Like, who's going to run an insane asylum? Yeah, that guy. He's perfect. You know, and he's like, he plays religious programming to mess with Hannibal. I mean, just, like, little, little... Robert, he's still there.
1: He is here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I, my call dropped for some reason, but man, I dialed oh. quick, let me tell you. Um, well, what did I miss? What did I miss? Cover I was just talking about silence. <laughs> Still on silence. Yeah. I, got I you. love that movie. I, I'll listen to it in the edit. Oh, I love it. I love it yep. too. Let me ask you why well, I've got you on and while the call's working. Yeah. Um, now, I know we're promoing Skinwalker, and we want everybody mm-hmm. to see that, of course, and everything. Um, and I know how. You know, Robert, I know how you Hollywood types can be sometimes. You know, sometimes you can't uh, talk about the next you. project. I'm very um, indie. Teasing oh, you, man! I'm teasing you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But can you? Can you? Is the gears turning for the next? Uh, the, the next?
2: Yeah, I got a couple uh, of things uh, on the on the dock. I have a I have a film called Hellhounds, which is a fun movie. Uh, basically, nice. it's a biker werewolf movie, and uh, oh. it's pretty cool. So that I have needs a lot to be done. <laughs> right? That's, That's a brilliant a,
1: idea.
2: I, I, w- I, you know, I, I, I was like thinking of people that again, I'm always looking for people in my horror movies that don't call nine one one. Like, well, a biker wouldn't, right? If they get in trouble, they're no. not gonna like they're outlaws. They're they're not gonna be like, oh, geez, Janie. They're not they're not skinny dipping teenagers. You know what I mean? I'm trying to just always break mm-hmm. the, the, the 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 cliche or whatever. Uh, make again. Make it where this could be a biker movie if you took out the supernatural and then just put the and it could work. as that and then you just put in the uh, the cool stuff. Um, basically, the hellhounds are you know an ancient group of werewolves that used to ride horses and now they ride motorcycles and they're a quote unquote biker gang to the world. But obviously they're I love it. They're they're really a group of werewolves and then the hunters are these people called the silver bullets who are. Of course, they're called that. They're another motorcycle gang. They're werewolf hunters. So it's a fun movie, kind of a Robert Rodriguez type uh, influence type. Of, of, I just want to have fun. And then another one I have is a pretty serious one. It's a drama western That's uh, Okay. It's called Brothers Keeper, and that's a, you know, that's a straight western. And it's I don't know if you saw my film Eminence Hill, but it's kind of along the vein of that, more of a straight up western, but a pretty dark one with hopefully a good morality. Uh, nice. To it, you know, I think a western's always a good morality play, um, right? You know, uh, Unforgiven, one of my favorite films. Again, uh, going back to, you know, it's a dark film, but it has a more there's a moral to the story. You know, it's not just dark Absolutely. for the sake of dark. So that's what I have right now on the on the uh, on the docket. And then my brother Owen, his first film, he's in post production on it, uh, his first directing job. Well, I don't know when it'll come out yet. We don't have a release date, but it's from Uncork, uh We did sign with Encore for it, and that's called Ghost Town. And look for that because that's going to be an awesome nice. release as well. Well, if, yeah. if you guys are so, signed up with
1: Encore, it'll probably uh, we'll, we'll have them on the show, man. We'll, we'll make it happen. Oh uh, uh, yeah, no, definitely,
2: definitely. It's, it's a really cool film. I, I saw a cut. You know, it's a rough cut still, but uh, looking to be a really cool project. Very cerebral, very very interesting. Nice. Nice. I, love yeah. I can't wait
1: to see the werewolf one, man. I, lo- yeah, I, I want to so have right. fun, buddy. I want to have fun. I want to have fun with movies. You know,
2: not everything needs, because I do a lot of dark stuff. I did a movie mm. years ago, The Covenant, which was very dark, very dark movie. And I like the film. I'm proud of the film. But, like, it was a dark, supernatural horror. And, you know, it didn't have a most cheerful ending by any stretch. Sometimes I just want to have like my second movie was called Exit to Hell with Kane Hodder and Tiffany Shepis, and that was a fun movie. Not necessarily fun to shoot, but it was fun to watch. <laughs> uh, it was a difficult movie to make, but um, it was just, you know, shoot up kids who end up in this town where this cannibal cop is chasing them, and it's like, yes, oh, it's wow. just fun. Just go with it. It's <laughs> not supposed to be high art. It's supposed to be entertainment. <laughs> And, um, absolutely. And yeah, sometimes absolutely. That's I need to make my black well, triumphs, Monty Python stuff when I need, you know, I need to break from the serious.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the Western theme is a cool theme, you know, it's, it's interesting. I love, I love how things come around because I have some friends, uh, really, well, they're friends of both mine and my wife. Um, and, uh, they, they're a little younger. So, you know, uh, it was so funny this weekend. Uh, we were talking. I was telling they're like, What movies are you uh, in Guest? Do you have coming up? They're having a conversation. I mentioned and her, and the first thing this girl says is, She goes, Oh, I'm not a big Western fan. And I said, Yeah. Hey, she- so I tell you, I said, uh, You know, that Mandalorian's just terrible on Disney Plus, isn't it? Because I know she's a big fan of that. And uh, right. goes, what are you-? she said, What are you talking I'm like, That's a Western, dear. She's like, Really?
2: Yep. <laughs> yeah, by the numbers.
1: <laughs> I
2: you know what it is? I, I, I was hoping, and I think this has happened. At least I hope. If you look at the success of an excellent video game, Ra- Ra Red Dead Redemption Two,
1: mm-hmm. really the
2: best western of a few years, and it's not a it's not a feature, but it's it's so cinematic. It's you know, it's a piece of cinematic right. art in my mind. Uh, you know, I, I let people know that like westerns don't have to be. Not that there's anything wrong. I I love the John Ford, John Wayne classics, but there's nothing. Right. You know, Westerns don't have to be your grandfather's Western, you know. And I think there is still this concept among some young people that it's still kind of a dated medium, you know. Yeah, and but not
1: really, though, you know. It's a big part, we're of, our to
2: break it's a part agree, of our history. of uh-huh. history. I mean, yeah. i think I'm it's all just for it. A, Young people are a little bit harder sometimes to sell on it. But I think the video game industry has done a lot to help the Western because I think they've shown young people that, look, it doesn't have to be, you know, Gene Autry. You know, it, it can be
1: <laughs>
2: I guess something that you will relate Yeah, right. you know, it can be something I love that
1: because of some of those, sure. though, you
2: know? Oh, um, I do, too. No, I'm not knocking them. I'm not knocking them at all, but it's, uh, you know, for the millennial crowd or younger, it might be a little difficult. Right. But I think, you know, you see the success of Red Dead Redemption 2 or Tarantino's Westerns, you know? it gives me hope because it's a great genre and I, I hate to see uh, it written off. You know, it's a, it's a really wonderful part of our history. And and, and it really is as Americans, it's our mythology, you know, it's historical, but it's also uh, a lot like I'm a big fan of medieval history, you know, and um, mm-hmm. there's historical medieval history. There's a heck of a lot of mythology, you know, the Robin Hood legend, the King Arthur legend. Uh, the, the two play kind of complementary to each other. And the Western is the closest we have as Americans to that, to that magic, because um, we're just not—we're right. not that old of a country by comparison.
1: Yeah. You know, we're just not. We're, you know, yeah. you know we just had a birthday. Well, a lot of people don't realize that. that. You know, I, your film, this film yeah. probably takes place. I mean, I, I don't think it's dated in there anywhere in the, the script or anything, but i i was I was thinking 1870s something like that, maybe, yeah, uh, I mean, I, if I, I, I even thought I may about have
2: it the number, and if I
1: did, I don't remember, I think I may have picked the number like eighteen eighty something, but I usually go for the
2: late eighteen hundreds, and if people ask yeah. specifically if I don't date the film, I usually say it's after the Civil War, it's before the first world War because I want to give myself a little bit of license there, um you know, we have a lot of reenactors that are great helps to us, you know they can't do it without a reenactor community. Here in Arizona, we right. have a very vibrant group of reenactors uh, that, you know, these people really get it right, from the wardrobe to the firearms, the livestock, you name it.
1: Oh, but yeah, you know, they're into, they're into
2: like, it. Oh, well, that, yeah, they're like, that hat wasn't invented until, I'm like, wait, but, you know. <laughs> I like, i not the Antique, antique road so. show. Come on. Well, <laughs> I appreciate little, it. Bad, but, yeah. but, I mean, I, I appreciate it. I, like, I love this. So I love people who care to get it right. But it's like, the reason I don't right. date the films is because I don't want to be pigeonholed into, like, you know. It, it could it be. be. Well, the point I was, was trying to make before the First World it, War
1: is that wasn't that long ago in our history, you know? I mean, really. It wasn't. No, it really wasn't. It really, and when I live in Arizona, years?
2: 120 that. years? No, yeah. Yeah. You feel that when you live in Arizona. You're like, you know, it really wasn't that long ago. So it's, uh, you know, it's a really cool It's a really cool time period, a very short period of time, you know, and, and there was something very magical about it because, Really, if you think about that, between the Civil War, which was in the 1860s, to the First World War, I mean, that's like, what, 50 years at the most? I mean, that's not, that's not right. a not of a lot of time. You know, and it's, uh, no.
1: that's, that's, uh, what's making, and you know. probably it's, the last, probably the last period with the onslaught of technological advancement similar to what we have today. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, it was the, um, the iPhones, it was what, 12 years eye- old, 13 years old, something like that? I know, that's and crazy, but yeah, it's, yeah. The West, I mean, I mean when, when the was, railroads went in, you know, it was kind of done, you know. I mean, the, the beginning yeah, of the year. Yeah, it end. was. And I, there's, a great, there's a great line in the Kevin Costner
2: film, Dancing with the World, where he says, I want to see the frontier before it's gone. Because mm-hmm. that is that idea, mm-hmm. that wild, you know, the... the the, uh, the mystery the magic of it there's you're going to lose something you know when you connect that railroad it, it, it's you know there's something lost there there's something uh, of course we yeah i mean we love our iPhones and all that but we are so interconnected today
1: you know it's just uh, too much too, too much. much too much well, yes. I tell you yes. the interesting thing that i've always found interesting uh, about the the west in that period was and I think this happened a lot. I'm no expert on it by any means, but um, I, I, you know, from from what I've read and whatnot, a lot of people kind of that was the one of the places they could they could go and, and start over, reinvent themselves. Oh, yeah. uh, sure. Get get the hell out of dodge!
2: you know, literally. Yeah,
1: um, I mean it's true. Uh,
2: you know, the and you don't have that kind of anymore. guys who. No, I mean, unfortunately, there's nowhere you could go to really get a. Your your reputation will will. Uh, proceed you everywhere whether it's good or bad. But no, I mean it's it's interesting. I think people like the Earps, I mean, they're interesting characters. You know, they came out here to get rich and to do this and that. Uh but you know, it, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting time. It was an interesting time. A lot of the people that came west were people that were troublemakers, obviously. People that had been mm-hmm. kicked out of Chicago or New York or whatever, or, you know right. <laughs> uh, a lot of uh, soldiers from the from the Civil War who didn't reacclimate to society, you know. Um, it, it's very interesting. And, uh, there's always that. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I, I was, was
1: thinking, thinking about that. I, I was remembering now, I mean, I probably shouldn't say this, but, uh, you know, I, when I was younger, I was kind of a wild kid. And I remember this was a, a few years back. I had uh, I had to spend I, I got to stay at a, a bad motel for a week, seven days <laughs> um, okay. that was run by the county. And uh, I, in the evenings, the lights, you know, the lights went out, and uh, everybody kind of lay in their bunks and kind of bullshit. And uh, it wasn't anything crazy like seeing movies. But one of the things that that show the uh, the crab fishermen in Alaska on Discovery Channel, I can't, uh, Deadliest Catch, had just mm-hmm. come out. It had been out in, like maybe a couple months, and all the guys, that was their dream. They're like, you know what? when i get done this 6 month hitch i'm going to alaska <laughs> i'm going to work with like everybody yeah. had that dream i guess and, so. i hear and you that. know it was just a fresh start and i think yeah. the west had that and in you know there was adventure and, and and you know you had to live by your wits a little bit and you don't it's hard to do that on tiktok i think it's just uh, it sure is it sure you, is. You know? but you know you're but i think
2: you brought up something interesting about like the deadliest catch i mean that Friend of mine, he came out, uh, he worked, he's a New Zealander, and he spent a lot of years here Mm. in America, and he made some good money and this and that. And then he just decided, like, you know what? I'm just going to go open up an ice cream shop on the beach in New Zealand. And that's (laughs) what he does. He gave up his business where he was doing, you know, like, you know. And he's just, he's happy. He lives in this beautiful place. He makes ice cream for tourists. And, like, I love that about him. You know, he turned down a lot of money he was making every year just to be like, you know, I want to right. be more liberated, you know, like, kind of like that old idea of like the things you own end up owning you. He's like, <laughs> I just want to enjoy the, I want to have a higher quality of life and I'll find that making ice cream living in a paradise on the beach. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know, I get that. I get that. That is liberating. That's uh, the, that, that's that. Oh yeah.
1: Well, and it's, you know, and and you have to find your path. And I hope our listeners, you know, the people out there, I'm sure there's one guy or gal out there who who maybe haven't given that a lot of thought. Think about it a little bit. What makes you happy, man? Mm-hmm. What's your path? What do you need them to be doing? And uh, you know, something you're it.
2: passionate about. It'll make life a lot more interesting and and rewarding. It really will.
1: Absolutely, you know, that might good. be making films. <laughs>
2: It might be. And, you know, passions can change, too. There's nothing wrong with that, you know.
1: I'm talking to oh, a good yeah. friend of
2: mine, and she's very good at what she does, but she's getting tired of it. She's very interested in something else. I'm like, pursue that. Listen to that voice. That's mm-hmm. okay. Just because you're good at something. Yeah, and even
1: if you, you fall on your face, at least you, you did it. At least you tried, you know. Um, exactly. You know, maybe you figure out that isn't what you need to be doing. <laughs> I've you had a few know, ventures like that. Um, sure, know. there's
2: nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's finding new things. I, I've been very much into cinematography. I mean of course I went to film school and I've you know I've been around cameras mm-hmm. my whole life, but um I've learned more about cinematography in the last couple of years than I did before because uh, you know, quite frankly my budgets have gone down a bit. You know, when D V D went away, um Right. I mean it's still there but it's just not what it once was you know, we've had to be more resourceful with less, with less money. And that means smaller crews and blah, blah, blah. But I love it. I love the challenge of it. You know, I I love learning new things when I was always very dependent on a cinematographer to to interpret my vision for me. uh, I feel a sense of uh, control on a new level over my projects, which um, it just, it just just helps me grow creatively. And it's, you know, it's a fun, Fun thing to get into, and, and say, "I don't need to go talk to the DP and say, hey, DP, this is this is it,' you know." And then they start doing it, and you're like, "Look, I've had I've had great DPs, and I don't want to knock them, but it's like, oh, that's not what I meant, you know." Now it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> it's a, well, you know, less 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 opportunity for things to get lost in translation. Not to say I'll DP every movie I do, but I but I did The Skinwalker as a fluke,
1: you know. And I really enjoy it. Well, and a little knowledge a little isn't lot. a bad thing either. You know, it, it really, when I was no. a kid, I hated working on cars. My father was a mechanical engineer. He loved cars. He was of that generation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he he had to have a hot car. He just grew up that way. And he really enjoyed working on cars. And he'd have me out there every weekend helping him. And I just, I didn't like it. I said, Pop! I'm going to be a famous artist, you know. I'm going to pay people to do this. Yeah. I don't. Why do I have to do this? And he said, "Well, he goes, you'll know what you're doing and what you're talking about, and you, nobody will rip you off because <laughs> you know That's how to sure. do it." And I agree with little that. Little knowledge never hurt anybody.
2: That is very it, I mean, true. I've, I've learned time. a lot about. You know, I've been uh, post production, and you know, I again, I I wasn't a camera novice before. It was like I, you have to as an independent film. Right. Maker, you have to learn about every department, like sound, uh, absolutely, uh, uh, post production. You know, you, you you often there's not budget to hire an editor. You're the editor. You know, right. so you have to learn all this stuff. But it is a good thing because even when you get to a place where, let's say, you're not the editor anymore, you have a, an understanding of of the craft that is really going to and what it's, it's going to take. And it's going to help you guys. Right. You know, help you guys. You know, I want to hire cinematographers that are far more talented than I am. And, and you know, in cinematography, I want to hire editors that are much better editors than I am. Um, but at least I can speak their language and say, hey, you know, this is what you need to do or this is what, you know, it's uh, it makes it a lot easier if you understand everybody's because uh, film school, you know, going back to film school, I used to I had kind of come to a, a realization about film school. That it actually was a good experience, but it took me a long time to appreciate that. Uh, oh, <laughs> it, yeah. You know, oh, expensive yeah. And all that. Um, but it was like film school is like a little bit of an introductory course into into the to the world of cinema because it's, the world of cinema is so vast. Any one of these fields, mm. you know, production design, cinematography, uh, editing, directing, these are all things you could get doctorates in. They're vast fields of study. Film school just gives you a little taste of every one of those departments to the point where you don't feel right. all that. Sometimes you can be kind of, uh, as I was for a long time, felt like, well, just video didn't learn that much. Well, it, it, there's just so much to learn, you know, there's so much to learn that they can't pack it in the four years of education. It's not possible. You know, it's like, um, Oh, absolutely. Again, you could completely just get a doctorate in film editing. you could get a doctorate in, you know, in writing or anything. So uh, that, that's the interesting thing. And growing, like, again, my my having directed a lot of movies. I, I you know, not that I don't always learn. I do, but I like, I used to feel, oh, you know, I can't shoot my own movies because if I'm watching, if I'm operating the camera, I, I'm not looking at the actor's performance. I found that's not true. I found that's not true. I'm watching their performance. You can wear mini I can pull focus <laughs> yeah. and watch them at the same time. Exactly.
1: Oh, man, that's funny. One of the great things about college, and I, I tell young people this all the time when, when they're, you know, talking about going and this and that. And, I, you know, I went to art school, and it's the same type of Thing, Me too. but one of the great things that I really liked about it, or like about it now, is I have this really good network of people I went to school mm-hmm. with that I can call up, you know, and and get a hold of on, for if I need somebody or, or if I have a question about something, and uh, you know, and it, it, that's directly from art school. You know, I, I wouldn't have that it is. I,
2: I still work with my Justin Anderson. Him and I went to school together. We made our first movie together. And we just did a job. Gosh, it ended about two months ago. You right. know, So it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it it is. You make lifelong connections. And the other thing is if you do go to film school, if you do take that financial plunge, which is considerable, is um, oh, your yeah. time there worth it? I think like anything, film school is what you make of it. You know, you have access to all hmm. the great equipment. Uh, hopefully you have more good professors than bad. Usually there's a mix, you know you have some really good ones and you have some that are there for a paycheck, but you know, learn what you can soak up the information from the good ones. Cause they are there. And, um, you know, make, it is what you make of it. I, I, I think the problem with art schools, is that maybe you can relate to this. Some of the kids that are there are there because mom and dad said, you've got to go yeah. to college, <laughs> you know, and, and those are the, you know, it's like, but there's other stay people that them. are very passionate. Stay away from them. That's yeah. They right. might be fun to you know hang out with, but it, stay they are the guys who were and girls who are really uh, dedicated and, and interesting, mm. and interested in, in making something happen, and then make something happen with them. You know, uh, and then film oh, school yeah. will be a good thing. It won't just be something that you're going to owe all this money and be oh, what did I get out
1: of it? You know, right? So. I hear you. Man. Well, Robert, I have had. We went way longer than uh, I was supposed to, but I have had such a fun time today. Um, talking oh, thank and, you. Me uh, too. Me too. You know, it's just been a blast. Um, and again, folks, Skinwalker. Hey, we have. Let me let me let people know. We have uh, the Facebook link up on our show page, Skinwalker Western. Yes. Um, it's at Skinwalker Western. Um, you can get to that. Uh, like and share it. Help get the word out. We live in an algorithm That's world. Right. It's very important. And uh, it is. You know, check it out. There's a lot of cool stuff on there as well. And um, the other thing is, when this does come out next week, whenever you watch any type of independent film or whatnot, um, you know, wh- however you're watching it, they all have a thing now where you can leave comments, and, and you know, you don't have to put a doctoral thesis up there, but um, it helps if you, you know, write a couple sentences, you know? I dug this about Absolutely. the film, or, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Or what you Do didn't that. like. I can take it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, but it does help with the placement, and it gets in front of more eyes and whatnot. And, Absolutely. Um, That's very important. Yeah. You know, it it just it really is. Uh, because Robert will have a, a meeting with some people. It, it may be over Zoom in the world we live in now. Um, you know, we uncorked entertainment. And they're going to say, well, what's the engagement? And, well, they won't even say that. They'll say, well, it's got 500 reviews on this. On this. IMDb page. Yep, that matters. Brilliant. It really does. Here's a chip, Robert. Go make another movie. <laughs> Robert will everybody it. will be happy. Uh, very, very good. Absolutely. <laughs> Robert, it has been a pleasure. And oh, I'm I gonna want to tell you everybody. this. You know this already. Keep doing what you're doing, man. You're real good at it. Oh, awesome. well, thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. I love what I do. I'm very, I'm very blessed. Well, see, there you go, folks. There you go. That in itself says a lot, right there. Follow your passions, man. Well, very cool. Well, this episode, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be converted to a podcast. We're going to put it out on all the various social media platforms and on all the podcasting platforms. We, um, uh, we're on a whole bunch of them. Where I didn't even know there were podcasts. I mean, I knew there was a couple. I didn't know there was like. Close to 400 of them that we're on. It's crazy. Oh, cool! But uh, I'm not complaining. That's a cool thing. No, that's great. And, uh, yeah, it works. How are you listening to podcasts? Well, you can listen to us on there. Uh, it's fantastic. Anyhow, um, we will see everybody. Let's see what is today? Today's Monday. I'm off tomorrow, so we will see everybody on Wednesday. We're continuing our week of cool films coming out. Uh, we've got a uh, horror comedy. Um, uh, we're going to be talking about with the writer and directors of it, uh, called Lilith, and uh, very cool. You could, hey, and anytime you want to, folks. You can go to my website us, you know, like the United States jamierocks.us, and you can see what uh, guests we have coming up and whatnot. I try to keep the whole month up there. Sometimes, you know, we're still nailing stuff down, um, but pretty much you can see uh, everything we got coming up. Watch trailers for the films. And uh, if it's Music Desk, there are music videos and whatnot. Um, So, yeah, check it out, definitely. We will see you on Wednesday, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks a lot, Robert. Bye-bye. Rock.
0: Sal, You're very welcome. Thank
1: you. Bye-bye.
0: This has been Pop Art Painter Jamie Rocks' Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. It has been executive produced by Jamie Rocks, recorded at his studio in Deerfield Beach in South Florida. All rights reserved by Pop Rocks Limited for broadcast on Block Talk Radio. Pana Oli, Pop Rocks Radio. Estás escuchando Jamie Rocks de Pop Rocks Radio. Manténganse al tanto.
1: Hey, the Harry Hicks from Svea, Okneel is not Pop Rocks Radio made Jamie Rocks. Block Talk Radio. Chumba. Chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the
0: match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply.
2: Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robin Hood Financial LLC, member SIPC.